Amen. Woo! Yes, can we get a big clap offering for Jesus? Church, how can we not win our day after praise and worship like that, right? Do you guys feel like you're already winners? Yes, amen. Believe it, believe it. So, good morning. My name is Yvonne Samia, and I am just so privileged and honored to be with you this morning. Whenever I get this opportunity, I never take it lightly, and I just thank God so much, as well as the Majors Lum, for allowing me to be up here to share the word with you all, and I know that God has a word for us this morning. And so I want to greet you in the name of Jesus. Did you all have a great week? Yes. Yes, yes, amen. And it was Valentine's. So did you all love on somebody this week? Didn't have to be a romantic kind of love. Could have just been a Jesus love, right? That we love one another. And uh, last Sunday, it was so awesome to see all the married couples renewing their vows, right? It was so sweet. Love was in the air. There was roses. There were hugs and kisses. So I just want to check in with you all that were up here. Did that bliss last through the week? Are we still in the honeymoon mode? Yeah. I'm going to share with you this little Valentine story. I always have these little stories to share with you, right? So it was Valentine's. Um, it was in the evening, and I was at the grocery store. And there were two um, young gentlemen in front of me. And they looked like mid-20s. They had like the green neon shirts on, so I know that they were working hard all day. And one of them had a dozen roses and a bottle of wine in his hand. And the other young gentleman had just one rose and the same bottle of wine in their hand. I don't know if they know each other. But the kid, the kid, the, the young man with 12 roses, showing my age, the young man with 12 roses says to the other guy with one rose, he says, bruh, just one rose? And the guy with one rose says, yeah, she never say yes to the dress yet. So, yeah, you know that, that show, right, the bridal show? And so the guy with 12 roses tells him, well, maybe if you bought her 12 roses, she would say yes, right? <laughs> so it got me curious, and it got me thinking, like, ladies, how many of you think that just one long stem rose is oh so sweet, seems rather intimate, and you would be perfectly happy to just receive one rose from your sweetheart. Wow, wow, yeah. And then how many of you need like the whole dozen roses or maybe even the baker's dozen, right? Yeah, oh good, thank you for being honest. Thank you, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So gentlemen, take note because some of you need to up your game, right? And others of you, you could have been saving a lot of money on roses because you've been buying her a dozen and she'd be just fine with just one. All right. So I didn't mean to take us off track. I know that wasn't a real spiritual story, but we're going to go back and get on track. And I want to welcome you to the fourth week of our sermon series called The Miracles of Jesus. And so, you know, when this series started, we... <clears throat> We heard about Jesus turning the water into wine, and then how Jesus healed the official son, and how Jesus cured the invalid who was lame for 38 years. And today we're going to look at how Jesus feeds the 5,000. And before we go there, if you would just bow your heads in a moment of prayer with me, please. All right. 
Father God, Lord, we are just so blessed to be in your house this morning, Lord. And Father, we sit here, Heavenly Father, in the comfort, in, in the palms of your hands, Heavenly Father, and we already feel your love. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you are here in this house and that you would speak this morning. Father, we remember those, Heavenly Father, who are not as fortunate as we are here this morning. We pray, Heavenly Father, for our brothers and sisters and those families in Florida, Father God. And even when um, to understand it all just totally escapes us, Father God. Father, our hearts connect with theirs across the ocean, across this nation, Father God. We pray for the tragedy of the lost loved ones. We pray for the loss of these precious, precious children, Father God. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your peace and your strength, Heavenly Father, would overcome them this day, Lord. And Father, we pray that even in this most difficult of times, that hearts and minds would be turned up unto you, that people, Heavenly Father, would feel the compassion to reach out and pray for one another, that somehow, Lord, your name would be glorified. And Father God, we also pray, Heavenly Father, locally, for all the challenges that are going on, even on this campus, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are Lord, you are in control, you reign, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you for your love, that we can do all things because Christ strengthens us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So, Jesus feeds the 5,000. This story is found in the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. And in this series, we focus on the life of Jesus. And in this story, as with the other stories, we're going to learn more about the character of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the supernatural of Jesus. And I don't mean like supernatural, like, you know, Power Rangers or Avengers, that kind of supernatural. No, I'm talking about supernatural Jesus, that Jesus is sovereign over all that he is Lord over everyone and everything. So today we'll look at the miracle of how Jesus takes two fish and five loaves of bread and feeds 5,000 people. We're going to watch a film clip of the passage found in the Bible in chap um, John chapter 6. And let me just say this. So we are so fortunate to have this beautiful sanctuary we have awesome media capabilities. We have awesome sound capabilities. And we have such creative people like Major Debbie with the fish, crackers, and the bread this morning, right? Major, thank you so much for doing this. And I just want to remind you all that you can enjoy this after you exit, okay? <laughs> we don't want to find these fish on the floor, please. All right. So uh, back to our film clip. I like this clip because it, it has the story visual, um, and it doesn't have the scripture. I thought it would, but we're going to come back um, and look at the scripture after. But in showing this clip, as we often do show you little movie clips, we are always mindful that we don't want to show these movie clips just for entertainment, but they are helpful to give you the visual, and then we want to come back and go deeper into the scriptures that it depicts, okay? So enjoy this, and then I'll be back to break it down. All right. <clears throat> so this is a very familiar Bible story to us all, right? It's probably one of the more popular ones over time, through time, that so many people are familiar with. 
But um, I want to say this to you. Uh, Bible stories are not just stories. Bible stories are from God to help us learn more about him and how to be more like him. There's so much more that we can understand from these stories when we break down the verses and see what God is trying to show us. So I want to break it down now, and let's take a second look at some of the verses in John 6, 1 through 14. So first, um, verse 1 says this. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, So let's put some context to the sometime after this in verse 1. This statement is making reference to after Jesus cured the invalid at the pool of Bethesda, like we heard Major Debbie preach about last week. And this is occurring after Jesus had to vindicate himself when he was chastised by the Jewish leaders for curing that invalid on the Sabbath. See, these Jewish leaders... They were so stuck in their overly religious, legalistic mindset that they could not be happy for this man who was cured after being lame for 38 years. No, instead, their focus was on how they thought Jesus was wrong for working on the Sabbath. Do you know anybody like that? Like they just can't be happy for anyone else. They always see the glass half empty. They just got to find something negative in every situation. Well, that's how these Jewish leaders were, and they really sought to persecute Jesus, especially because Jesus is calling God his own father, which makes him equal with God. Also during this time frame, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded by King Herod. So after all of that, the disciples still went out and preached in different cities and towns. And now we see them that they are back again, as is Jesus. So we see that a lot is going on and not all good for Jesus and his disciples. In this one verse, when we break it down, we can already start to see the character of Jesus. We see that Jesus was confident. He knew who he was that he is the son of God, even when others disagreed and tried to persecute him. He was focused and he knew his purpose. He did the work of his father, no matter the consequence. The second verse says, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. You've heard this before, signs and wonders supernatural manifestations. It's when something happens that is beyond the natural, like Jesus healing the people or turning water into wine. And you think that the unbelievers in that time who witnessed these miracles that Jesus did would begin to believe when they saw that what they thought was impossible became a reality. But sadly, the majority of people back then They followed Jesus, not because these signs and wonders made them believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but they followed him more out of curiosity and a desire to be healed like they saw happen to others. In verse 3 it says, Then Jesus went up a mountain and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 
He asked this only to test him, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered Jesus. He says, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. See, Jesus was testing Philip, and unfortunately, Philip did not pass the test. Now, maybe in Philip's defense, he was not in the best frame of mind. He and the disciples had just gotten back from a long road trip, preaching in different cities and towns. He was probably tired. Philip was from the area and probably just wanted to go home and relax. Have you ever been in a situation like Philip? You just returned from a very long, very busy business trip. You are exhausted, and you just want to go home and chill. But you arrive back home to a home full of needy people. You barely get your foot in the door, and the wife has a list of problems she needs you to solve and a million and one questions for you to answer. And maybe the, ki- <laughs> and maybe the kids are sick or, or hungry, and the dog chewed up your favorite house slippers. And all you can think of is that you just wish that they would disappear. And I don't mean forever, but just for that moment until you can catch your breath. See, that's probably how Philip was feeling. He wished that these people would just go home and eat. Even so, Philip failed to recognize who was talking to him. It was Jesus, the same Jesus who turned water into wine, the same Jesus who made the lame man walk again, who healed the official son. Philip knew all of that. So why did Philip not realize that Jesus could surely fix this situation. You think that after seeing Jesus perform numerous miracles, Philip's faith response would have been something like, well, I don't know how I can feed all these people, Jesus, but Lord, I've seen you do so many miracles. So just saying. Right? That he should have known that Jesus would be able to do this. Verse 8 says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? See, this reminds me of back home in Samoa. So when I was a young girl, and I'd be at home in the evening with my mom, and then, you know, this whole group of people would be walking across the front of our house, right? And this, these are people from our church choir, and they're coming home from, from the church because they've been at choir. And when they see my mom at the door, because she'd always get excited when she sees people out front, and she'd be by the door, and they would call to her. They'd say, Sai Lao, Sai Lao, Wama. You know, they're asking her, how are you? And my mom would call back, and, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd exchange pleasantries. And then she would say this to them. So my cousin, Valueste, would be one of them, and she'd be like to this group, Valueste, Oh my. So she's calling them in and she's like, Oh my, say if I see my eye. And she's like saying, Come on in, we're gonna make something to eat, right? And so I'm standing behind my mom, smiling at this group, but inside I'm thinking, Really, mother? 
I'm picturing the six raw eggs and the ice water that we have in the ice box. And so it's a very common gesture of hospitality that we do back home. But what really impressed upon my heart as I read this is what we had or didn't have in our icebox or in our cupboards or the lack of, it never deterred my mother from wanting to fellowship with these people. It never deterred her heart from wanting to invite them in. Like she wasn't even moved by that. But me, I was more like Philip and Andrew. I'm just like, mom, just let them go home and eat. <laughs> right? But look at the contrast. Look at the contrast in the way that they viewed the crowd. When Philip and Andrew saw the crowd, they saw thousands of problems and a gross lack of resources. But when Jesus saw the crowd, he saw an opportunity to show these people that he loved them and to affirm their value. Aren't we just like Philip and Andrew? When we are tested in situations that we see as beyond our natural capabilities, like the need often looks too great and the resources look too insufficient until we put them in the hands of Jesus. Church, what seems to be insufficient in your life today? Is it not enough financial resource to tackle the thousands that you owe in bills? Put your finances in the hands of Jesus. Is it a lack of resources to get the job done at work? Are you expected to do more with less? Put your job in the hands of Jesus. Is it your energy tank running on empty because you have a thousand things to do and not enough hours in the day to do them? Put your day in the hands of Jesus and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Or maybe you want to serve in church, but you don't feel qualified. Not enough skills in the area you'd like to serve in. Give him what you have and let him multiply it. But Bram corrected me. If it's for praise and worship, you've got to have a voice. <laughs> so let's look at how Jesus responds to Philip and Andrew. In verse 10, Jesus says this. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. Look at what Jesus does here when faced with a huge challenge. What does he do? He gets organized, and he gives thanks for what he has in his hands. Even if it wasn't nearly enough for the thousands who gathered, he gave thanks to God for what he had. Because with God, all things are possible. Church, where in your life does it seem like there's a gross insufficiency? For a lot of people, it is in their finances. Well, if that's your issue, then do like Jesus did. Get organized. 
One of the hardest things for people to do is to face the thousands, that big mountain, thousands of dollars that they owe in debt. So people start trying to hide from the creditors and screen their calls. No, get organized and give thanks to God for what you do have. And I will say this because I so totally believe in this, and tithe. You see God take that little 10% and open up the windows of heaven so much that you will not be able to contain it. And I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking in every arena of life that we serve a faithful God, that when you tithe, not only does he increase and help you take care of your finances, he gives you wisdom. He blesses you in every arena. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's in a different arena besides finances. But we serve a faithful God. Tithe. See, it's not about how much we have to offer, but rather it is if we will offer whatever it is that we have. Because Jesus can take a little gift and make something great of it. He took two fish, five loaves of bread, and fed 5,000 people. Verse 12 says this. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a miracle? Church, we serve a God of more than enough. Do you believe that? Amen. We serve a God who is more than able, more than able. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. My God shall supply all your needs. Doesn't say my God shall supply some of your needs. Doesn't say my God shall supply a little of your needs. It says what? My God shall supply all your needs. And he is a God who is able. So do you believe that? Right? You gotta believe that. If you believe in the Bible, then you gotta believe that tithing works. If you believe in the Bible, then you gotta believe that God can provide for all of your needs, not just for someone else, but for you, for you, for me. And as I wrap up, I want to call Matt back up to the stage. Verse 14 says this. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is come into the world. Church, that's what the people back in the day said. What do you say? Who do you say that Jesus is? The people in John 6 saw the miracle that Jesus performed, and they began to believe. What miracle have you seen Jesus do in your life? And I get emotional because I can name so many, many miracles that Jesus did in my life. Too many to count in my health, in my marriage, in my kids, in my finances, 
in my mind, the way I think. Church, that I am standing before you here today delivering a message is no minor miracle. It is a miracle. This passage also tells us a lot about what we can expect as followers of Jesus. Just as Jesus and his disciples faced many challenges, so will we. So expect it and be prepared for it. Be in God's word every day. Be on your knees every day. Pray every day. Know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when the opposition seems like too much and you don't have enough of what it takes to win, remember who's on your side. Remember who's on your team. Remember who lives on the inside of you. Remember who is right in front of you, like Jesus was right in front of Philip. Remember who's right in front of you, waiting for you to give him something so that he can work with it. Jesus took two fish and five loaves of bread, and he fed 5,000 people. What are you needing from him today? How many of you need a miracle in your life today? Amen. Amen. We all need a miracle. We're all believing miracles for miracles, not just for ourselves, but for our loved ones. And so church, I'm so honored to pray with you today for our miracle. Bow your heads and let me pray with you. Father God, Lord, Father, you are just an awesome God. You are a faithful God, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for who you are in our lives, Father. Father, I thank you for each and every life that is sitting here today, Father. And I declare, Father God, that your word has gone forth, that it has taken root, Father, that it will accomplish what you set it out to accomplish, that it will not return void, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you know the hearts, you know the lives, you know the situations of everyone that is here, Lord. You know, Heavenly Father, their prayers. Father, you know their challenges. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the miracle worker. And so, Father, I just declare, Heavenly Father, that you will rise up in them a burning desire to have a more intimate relationship with you, Father. That we would all, Heavenly Father, be in your word every day. That we would be on our knees every day. Because that's where the battle is won, on our knees, for ourselves and for our loved ones. And so I thank you, Heavenly Father, that no problem is too big, Lord, that you cannot solve it. And Father, may everything that we do, may every victory bring glory to your name. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.